there was really that sense that we were doing God's will. We were doing what God had called us to do. Uh, we were serving him. And so it was difficult to process, to think about the, the pain. Uh, we were hopeful at the time that there would be a successful resolution, that um, the cancer could be treated and that we could carry on at least life together, uh, even if it wasn't ministry in, a, in another country. For 2,000 years, Christ has been extending his kingdom through ordinary, faithful people. Their blood, sweat, and tears are the seeds of the global church. The gospel is spreading across the world, saving sinners, renewing nations, and changing everything. But today, many in the modern church are weak, torn, comfortable. The book of Hebrews says we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses watching us from heaven, spurring us on. The stories of these faithful Christ followers who've gone before us are what we need to wake up and return to our first love for Christ's mission. Let's learn from them. Welcome to Cloud of Witnesses. My name is Alex Kochman, Director of Communications and Media with ABWE. On today's episode, we learn about the life and ministry of Tim and Jane Bahula from ABWE Canada. Hi, I'm Tim Bahula. I serve as a missionary with ABWE Canada, sent by Compass Community Church. I served as a missionary since 1999, when my wife Jane and I were appointed as missionaries to the country of Trinidad and Tobago. We served there for two terms, from 2002 to 2009. Uh, there I was engaged in church strengthening ministries in four churches and served as a founding member of the board and as the first principal of the Baptist Seminary of the West Indies until 2009. For some, the call to become a missionary is clear, but the destination is unclear. For others, God has clearly revealed the location in which they are to serve. Well, Tim and Jane had a clear focus on where to serve, but the road to the field still included hurdles to overcome. So Jane and I were appointed as missionaries with ABWE in 1999. Uh, when we went to candidate class, we already knew that we were headed to Trinidad. We had been there on a survey trip in 1999, shortly after we were appointed. So that decision was relatively easy for us, and it took us a little while to raise our support. Part of the challenge was that when we were appointed we had two kids and we had a third while we were on pre-field ministry so our support requirements went up but we eventually got there and then uh, we arrived in 2002. Uh, it was still a bit of a surprise even though we had visited there we discovered that what many missionaries would discover that visiting a area is much different than living in an area and we had both lived in southwestern Ontario all of our lives. And while it was nice to go to a warm climate, we began to miss the seasons uh, that we had. And being hot and humid most of the time was a little bit wearing. I was doing an interim pastoral ministry position for Calvary Baptist Church in Arima, a church strengthening ministry uh, there. I had gone particularly to help another group 
do theological education and to start a Bible college. So I was meeting with them fairly regularly and making plans for how we could get that school up and running. Meanwhile, I was uh, preaching often and leading some ministries at the other church. Serving God comes with trials of various kinds, whether it's expected or unexpected. And the conflict may come from within the community you are trying to shepherd. Church ministry was good. We had many good experiences at the church during two and a half years. But then we came to a very challenging time. We were, we were wrapping up that term of ministry. And uh, there had been a young man who had gone away to Bible college and had come back and was beginning to be phased into ministry at the church. And uh, there were some concerns by uh, the man who was still the pastor, but living in the United States uh, about uh, what this young man was doing. And uh, so I spoke to the pastor about that, expressed some concerns about the way things were being handled. And I guess perhaps I had spoken too dramatically about it or too pointedly about it, uh, because shortly thereafter, I received a letter from him uh, indicating that we were no longer welcome at the church that we've been ministering in for two and a half years and that he had notified the government that uh, he was no longer that we, we were no longer welcome at the church and that he was effectively revoking our missionary work permit picture this situation you're serving in your first term on the field in an unfamiliar country and now notified that your missionary work permit is being revoked understandably this leads to lots of uncertainties about what happens next how does this affect your mission work and how does this affect your family? It was difficult because the ministry at the seminary was just getting started. We had started classes uh, there and we were scheduled to leave on a furlough that summer anyways. And it was a really uncertain time because the immigration officials could have come at any time and asked us to leave the country. We had made a decision a couple years earlier to enroll our kids in school, so it would have been disruptive for them and their schooling. As I mentioned, we had begun ministry at the seminary, and so it would have been disruptive to that as well. And uh, it, was a, it was a trying time, a, a difficult way to end our first term that in many respects had seemed really positive and in many respects accomplished a lot in terms of getting the seminary up and going even at the church, having many positive relationships and then having to leave them abruptly. Through God's sovereignty, the Bahulas were able to finish their term in Trinidad and return home on their first furlough. An opportunity to regroup, share the work they had done in Trinidad, rest and head back to the field with renewed hope for a second term. After a year home, we returned to Trinidad in 2006 and picked up ministry with a seminary. We were participating in another church that uh, had asked for some help. And so I was uh, leading a men's Bible study there. I taught Sunday school, preached occasionally. And then there were another couple of churches that I was helping with at the same time. And then teaching classes at the Bible college and facilitating visiting professors as well and helping them to come and teach so it was really, that was a really exciting time as well as we uh, saw that ministry grow and men and women being trained uh, for gospel ministry there in, in Trinidad. 
With Tim's ministry focus on education, what were some of the ways that Jane was serving? Tim's daughter Emily had this to say. She would host a ladies' Bible study at her house. Probably one of the biggest things she did, I don't know if she did it in the first term, but she definitely did it in the second term, was making food and kind of just making meals for families in need, whether it be church or neighbors or whatever that might be. Um, And then, of course, making food for uh, seminary parties um, and just different gatherings and just always opening up our home to guests and making food and making them feel welcome and not just going out to buy some store-bought meal, but to actually like put the time in in the kitchen. And I can remember um, she would always have the fan on in the kitchen because it always got really hot, especially living in Trinidad, you know, living in a tropical country. But she she spent a lot of time in in the kitchen in both kitchens where we uh, lived for the two different terms. But yeah, she put a lot into the food that she made and gave to people. And I feel like that really helped make community and connections with neighbors and people from church and all that kind of stuff. And I know a lot of people were really grateful for the food that she made. In the life of a Christian, and more specifically as a missionary, there's an expectation that you'll face persecution or hardship for your faith in Jesus. Jesus teaches this in the Gospels, and it's continued by the apostles throughout the New Testament. However, oftentimes our trials come in unexpected ways. So we left Trinidad in 2009 on a scheduled furlough. The Trinidadian government had a a policy of three-year missionary work permits. And so anticipating that it was possible that we would return, we had left a lot of our belongings there uh, in storage with a missionary family. And uh, so anticipated that it was likely that we would return. It wasn't certain, but we still had a lot of work to do with the seminary and I was hoping to return, but then came home for a furlough. And as ABW missionaries do, we had our furlough medicals. And it was at that time that uh, Jane was recommended to have a colonoscopy, which she had on December 23rd, 2009. So we had a great Christmas together and just after Christmas uh, she received a cancer diagnosis and then we uh, cycled into a period of wondering what was happening and how this could be happening and it was a really difficult time as we tried to figure out uh, whether we'd be able to return to Trinidad, uh, what God might have for us, whether this was uh, as serious as it seemed and uh, we quickly discovered Uh, that it was. Uh, It didn't take long for things to develop. Uh, Jane was in the midst of some further testing on February 9th when we went into the hospital. And while we were in the hospital, she became unresponsive and was taken by ambulance uh, to the emergency department. Uh, There she was put on life support and um, then I had to make the difficult decision uh, in the wee hours of February 10th that we're going to discontinue life support. And uh, then she passed away and went to the presence of Jesus early in the morning of February 10th. The morning, uh, February 9th, uh, she said goodbye to the kids. They were going to school and she never spoke to them again. Her colonoscopy was two days before Christmas and within about six weeks, she was dead and that, that really took a while to process because it just had happened just that quickly. 
We had a life in Trinidad. We had a lot of stuff in Trinidad. We had ministry in Trinidad. We were anticipating returning there later that year. Uh, so a lot of emotion, a lot of activity, a lot of unclarity because not only had I lost my spouse, but I had also, at the time, I figured lost my ministry as well. And that is in fact what transpired. I didn't think it was going to be reasonable or wise at the time to go back with my six kids at the time, 14 years down to four years. So we remained in Canada where I took up a position with ABWE Canada. When you've dedicated your life and career to following Jesus, to serving him on the mission field, how does a sudden death of a spouse or a loved one impact your faith? There was really that sense that we were doing God's will. We were doing what God had called us to do. Uh, we were serving him. And so it was difficult to process, to think about the, the pain. Uh, we were hopeful at the time that there would be a successful resolution, that um, the cancer could be treated and that we could carry on at least life together. Uh, even if it wasn't ministry in, a, in another country. The days after Jane died were a challenge. The journey in many respects didn't begin for me until the 10th when I fell into bed and, and kind of then really wondered about, you know, all those kinds of things. They were unclear about what needed to be done. In other respects, it was sort of simple. I had six mouths that needed to be fed. I had five kids that needed to get to school, that needed to have clean clothes. It didn't leave me as much time to deal with emotions and to struggle with questions. There was just so much that needed to be done. On the heels of losing his wife and losing his ministry, Tim was left to pick up the pieces of life and care for his children. But he wasn't alone. As Christians, we're one body of believers that are called to care for each other in times of need, displaying the sacrificial love of Jesus to our hurting brothers and sisters. For Tim, this came through practical help from family and friends? Uh, my parents were great help. They were originally sleeping in our unfinished basement on a futon. Thankfully, shortly after, some friends from Stony Creek Baptist Church came over and finished a room in the basement for them so that they could stay there. Sometimes the simplest way to pour into our friends through their hardships is to meet them in their everyday needs and humbly serve with an attitude of love. So let me tell you the story about laundry. As you can imagine, seven people in a house make a lot of laundry, particularly when they're younger kids. How do I even describe Mrs. Estabrooks? Diane Estabrooks. Diane Estabrooks is a longtime family friend. Diane and her husband, Paul, have served as missionaries. Uh, they currently live in London. And Diane came basically once a week 
and washed and folded laundry for us. Usually, she just stayed in the basement <laughs> even while the washing machine and dryer were doing their thing. She didn't have to do it all by hand. Uh, she just took what we gave her and gave it back to us neat and tidied and folded and way beyond what I would have or could have done. And even in some respects beyond what Jane would have or could have done. But uh, there she was uh, working away faithfully. Uh, she kept at it, not every week, but for several years afterwards, she would come work for a few hours. She did provide some lessons to my kids about um, sorting and about, you know, good practices. Yeah, Diane Estherbrooks uh, was a real saint beyond the theological sense of the word in a very practical way and met a real need that we had in our family and uh, provided us with clean clothes. And sometimes it's taking it upon yourself to carry the burdens of our hurting brothers and sisters by guarding them against the heaviness of sharing the story of their pain. There was basically two years of meals that we received. And largely they came through the hands of one of Jane's good friends, Noreen. And she, I guess, took it upon herself. I'm not quite sure exactly how it happened. But one of the things I didn't really want, and maybe this is the introvert side of me, or just because I was feeling so much pain at the time, is I didn't want a new person coming to the door each day with a meal that I would have to interact with and explain something that I just explained the day previous. So Noreen was great. Typically she brought over food once a week and put it in the freezer. She collected it often from some of the churches that support us in the city. And it was great. After coming home for furlough and learning of Jane's cancer diagnosis, Tim began to recognize the reality that returning to Trinidad and Tobago would likely not happen immediately, if ever. Yeah, when Jane uh, was diagnosed with cancer, it became really questionable uh, when, if we would be able to return. And so at that point, I knew that I needed to consider other ministries or even other employment. Uh, at the time, David Smith was president of ABWE Canada. ABWE Canada, or Across Borders for World Evangelism, is the Canadian counterpart of the U.S. ABWE, or Association of Baptists for World Evangelism. We had previously talked about the possibility of serving in the ABWE Canada office, and uh, so he talked to me and asked me if I would consider that. Uh, he gave me some time to kind of regroup and consider the possibilities. And so it was in the month of April that I began serving in the ABW Canada office. I served as the director of communications and training and I put together communications pieces. I conducted various kinds of training, including good soil training. In many respects, it was a it was a very much a time of transition. However, I did grow restless with it after a while. I had never quite pictured myself in that kind of more administrative type role. And so I began 
exploring opportunities and one of the opportunities that I explored was ministry with what was then known as Horizon International Schools and saw that it was an opportunity for me to re-engage with theological education, the kind of ministry that I was really excited about and really felt God had called me to, to be involved in training leaders for Christ Church in different parts of the world. Grieving the loss of a loved one, especially a sudden loss like Tim had experienced with Jane's passing, isn't something you prepare yourself for. Instead, you spend your life planning for the future together. As a missionary, you pursue the direction that God is calling you to, and you pour your heart out in advancing the kingdom of God. For Tim, working through and confronting his grief came through the help of friends. Wally Stevenson lost his wife in a very seemingly untimely kind of manner. And out of that, he developed something that he called um, helping hurting people. And often I've thought that we also need someone who will do the opposite of that someone who will help happy people. People who seemingly are living a Psalm 1 kind of life where many things are going well for them. And, and that's what I would say that I felt with Jane and our ministry in Trinidad. It's not that there weren't problems and weren't difficulties, but Generally, I would say that I felt that we're living a Psalm 1 kind of life, that, you know, things were prospering, that we were enjoying uh, many things. And then we weren't, or I wasn't, she wasn't. And that's where one of my friends was a really big help in dealing with grief. He. He talked to me about the place for lament, the place for acknowledging the pain and the suffering of life. Uh, that while we as Christians have a great hope, that hope is not fully realized yet. And so we will struggle, we will suffer, we will grieve. We don't do it as people who don't have hope, but we still do it. He was also one who referred me to C.S. Lewis' book, uh, Grief Observed, in which Lewis recounts his struggle after the death of his wife. And that was very helpful to me. That really spoke a lot about some of the questions that I was having about simple things about wondering whether Jane was thinking about me or what she was thinking about me um, and the job that I was doing <laughs> raising our six kids. And so there were a lot of times of, of struggle, of wondering about what God was trying to accomplish through all this. I believe he has a plan. In the end, I think I'll like it. There have been a lot of times in the intervening years since Jane died that I've not liked it. 
because of the, the pain, the difficulty, the sense of loss. Not only my own, but um, my children, the loss that they've had as well. And the, the times when they'd like a hug from mom and they could only get a hug from dad. When asked if he ever wonders what he could have done differently, Tim had this to say. The what would you have done differently question is one that I have thought a lot about, but I don't like thinking about it. And generally I don't find it profitable to think of. It'd be very easy to spend a lot of time about what I would have done, what I could have done, and maybe even what I should have done. But it becomes very difficult to untangle that. How far back would I go? How many things would I change? Would I change the decision to be a missionary and go to Trinidad? In many respects, it was a contributing factor to Jane's death. She had been diagnosed with ulcerative colitis um, in her late teens, and so she was at higher risk for colon cancer. So the would have, could have, should have, then becomes really tricky. But I tried to make the best decisions that I could as I was going along, and I, I think I might punish myself too much. I think I might second-guess the providence of God too much. But it's difficult. The, the last sermon that Jane heard preached was about the grain falling into the soil and about it being consumed in order to bring about new life. And that... While not something that I wanted at 39 years of age, somehow it's in God's providence, somehow it's in God's sovereignty. It doesn't make sense to me many times. It's hard to think of, but Habakkuk reminds us or states that even when he doesn't see God's hand of blessing, obviously by very physical, material manifestations, that even still he's going to trust in God, even still he's going to place his hope in God. And that's what I've tried to do. Tim and Jane faithfully served in Trinidad and Tobago for eight years, passionately educating leaders with theology and serving a local church. After Jane's passing, Tim continues to serve as a missionary, using the talents and gifts given by God to help teach the nations. Cloud of Witnesses is a production of ABWE. ABWE is a global family of ministries reaching more than 80 countries by sharing Christ, planting churches, and training Christian leaders. 
After nearly 100 years, ABWE is continuing to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. You can help us advance the kingdom for the next 100 years and beyond by supporting the mission through the Global Gospel Fund. Learn more at abwe.org forward slash cloud. Cloud of Witnesses is a production of ABWE. I'm your host, Alex Kochman. Our production director is Grant Boring. Our researcher and interviewer is Jay York. Production support is provided by Tito Estevez. Additional voiceovers by Jason Younger. Get equipped to make disciples and learn more about how you can reach the nations at abwe.org.